Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you not only here, but visiting with us online as well as we officially begin our Christmas season at Renew. And I know, I know for some of you, that is a little scary thinking about that um, because it's getting closer all the time. How, how many of you have a countdown to Christmas on a, on a dresser or somewhere in your house where you can count down the days and maybe mom or dad or one of the kids flips that each day? I know uh, I grew up, did you ever have the advent calendars? Any of you have an advent calendar where you, you pull out stuff? I saw somebody remarking that on their, on their chocolate advent calendar, there's only three days till Christmas now. They... they <laughs> You'd open up one of those little drawers and there'd be candy in there or whatever. And, uh, oh, you could just not wait to get to the day. And oftentimes you got to Christmas Day and you were more excited about the gifts under the tree than the advent calendar. You forget to go open it. But uh, we've all understood under the, the power of numbering our days to get prepared for something, right? We all know that. We all know what it feels like to count days and, and to process days and try to make the most of days. And last week, as we began, just kind of an introduction to this series, we talked about, have you noticed that throughout society right now, especially in Christian circles, there's just this sense, hey, are the days drawing near? I mean, I'm hearing wars and rumors of wars and birth pangs and, and the society differences and changes and the walking further away from the things of the Lord and division and conflict. And I'm just sitting there going, some of the things I've heard in scripture that would be hallmarks as well as characteristics of the end times, I feel like I'm looking at them and it fills you with like an anxiety, a little stress, maybe even a little anger at what's going on in your life as you see the day kind of drawing near. Did you know? that that phrase is literally in scripture. And not only that, that phrase, as you see the days drawing near, is referring to the return of our Lord and Savior. So how are we supposed to behave? How are we supposed to live if we see the days drawing near? I mean, I think it would be smart for children of God to know what Jesus asks for us, especially if we can see that, and I've always stood back and go, isn't that interesting that scripture says that you'll get this sense as you see the day drawing near? You'll get this kind of, mm, mm. and we're to live that way because the imminent return of Christ happened from the moment he left. And things change all the time, but some of us are sensing the day drawing near. So what should we do? I kind of was being a little sarcastic last week. I said I was looking for scripture verses to build a bunker in my basement and prepare for war. I was looking for verses on take my whole family and move out somewhere and go off the grid. What should we do? Here's what that verse says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's the caricature, if you will, of someone who sees the day drawing near? It's someone who's looking to others and how they can stir them up to love and good deeds. I know that grandma really likes when we come over and sit on her couch. I, I, I know, I know dad's favorite thing is this. Let's get it for him. Oh, 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 you know what? You know what I think would really encourage that brother and sister we just heard had that struggle? Hey, I know something we could do. This is what the characteristic of a person who might see the day drawing near is like. It's not, can you believe this? Somebody's got to stop this. We got to prevent this. I mean, this is crazy. That's not, is it, how can I stir one another? Who's the one another? It's the body of Christ. So how can I specifically encourage and get together with the body of Christ? Because they're prone possibly to, as they see the day drawing near to have anxiety or fear or stress or anger, or frustration, or discouragement. And so I should be going out of my way. And have you ever noticed 
when you live life for others, it's a whole lot more enjoyable than thinking only about yourself. I thought last week when we used uh, Interstate 3.0 as we're going to be driving to somebody's house this month going, how long do we have to be there? Are we literally soon? Oh my word, every time we go, it says, how about instead we drive to that house going, how can we encourage them? Hey, what could we take? What could we do that would really stir them up? And uh, you know what? I bet we could do this while we were there. I bet we could not do that because that really discourages them. But I thought instead for the Christmas season, instead of Interstate 3, let's be thinking about an advent calendar. So I went and made one on our LED wall here. Here we go. All right, so we opened up one box. And kids, I'm gonna open up a box throughout each one of these series. And I, I don't know, if you stick around with Renew Bible through the Christmas season, I might open something under there and we'll find what's in those things. But, but, but here's consider one another we got out of that passage. And then we opened up the second box and it was stir one another up. We heard it in that verse. And then we opened up a third box and that was encourage one another. You know, scripture has 59 one another's. Love one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, stir one another. There's 59, some of them are repeated. So I broke it down to those that really aren't repeated and I found around 30. And you know what's interesting about the one another's? They're in command form. They're not if you feel like it. They're not if you like the person. If you got a brother or sister in Christ, scripture's pretty clear on your job description. And the one another's are given to us so we don't fall into the trap of thinking about the only the one. And so, this month, we're gonna focus on the one another's because many people can tell you stores in a shopping mall better than they can tell you 31 and others of scripture. And we better know what we're called to do, especially, especially, what, what, what? If we see the day drawing near, because these are the things that God's called us to do. I wanna call this message in this series, Thanksgiver. I've been given days by the Lord the older you get, the more you cherish those days, especially with ones you love, because you know seasons change. But it's a scriptural principle to think about each day. In fact, it's Psalms that says, teach us to number our days, that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. God, you've given me days, thank you. I want to be a thanksgiver and I want to give back as a present to my Lord a life that fills its days thinking about one another. Join us this month as we develop out this idea of what it's like to live a life of gratitude for what we have, even if we think it's small compared to some, and the joy of giving to others, because here's a little secret. Here's a little secret and don't tell anybody. The more you encourage people, the more you find yourself around encouraging people. The more you complain, the more you find yourself around complaining people. The more you love other people, the more you find love in return. When we give, we get often the things we wish everybody was doing. And so let it start with us. Let us head down that road to maybe a brother or sister's house and be a thanksgiver. Father, use this message series to encourage us to be thinking about one another. There's so many people in this room and joining us online who are in tough spots. Some who are in wonderful spots. I don't know what everyone's in, but I do know this we all kind of sense the days might be drawing near. And so may we be going out of our way to encourage one another. We'll pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We live in a loud world. That song just relaxes me.
Beautiful stuff. Love it. Love it. Thanks, giver. Lord, teach us to number our days. It was the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Philippi. He was kind of developing a caricature of what he wanted them to look like, what they, he wanted them to be like. And he wrote what I like to call the any passage. Do you know it? Here it is. If there's any encouragement in knowing Jesus Christ, you know Jesus Christ, your personal savior? If you've ever received encouragement, Paul's like, anything. Okay, all right, I'm with you. If there's any comfort from being loved by God and by the body of Christ, if you've ever gotten a little bit of comfort from somebody else who knows Jesus, if, if there's any participation in the spirit, have you ever sang with a, a group of people and just felt, oh man, I just, whoa, that was so encouraging. If there's any affection and sympathy, if you've ever gotten sympathy or if you've ever gotten any affection, here's the idea. It'd be like dad walking in the room going, look, if you got anything from being in this family that you like, if you've gotten any encouragement from having your own bedroom, if you've gotten any encouragement from dad buying that car for you, if you've gotten any encouragement from mom making meals every night, if there's anything you got out of it, okay, fine, fine, fine. What's the point? I've gotten a lot out of this. If you've gotten anything out of being a believer, Make my joy complete. Finish the drawing. How, how, how? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Okay, clearly speaking metaphorically, we're not all asked to go and have the same mind. So we're to think alike how are we going to do that? You can't even do that in your own homes. You can't do that in your own dorm rooms. You can't do that at the retirement center. How on earth are we going to have everybody in here come in here and agree? And all my staff said, amen. That's not possible. So what is it we're supposed to agree on? And Paul begins to lay out that that center is on Jesus Christ and what he means to all of us. You know you're sitting in a room full of people who love Jesus. How cool is that? Just to know that there's people in this room that I can sit by on this side of eternity and go, isn't it great to follow Jesus? And they go, amen. You forget that unless you've worked in environments where that's not around. It's so encouraging. And so I look at this same mind and I see another one another. So let's pull up the calendar. Let's open up box number four. Now I was thinking about jumping up and hitting it, but they said that might not be good for the screen or for my ACL. So, so like, 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 open up four, please. And we have same mind. So let's open up this box. What is this same mind verse? Here we go. I appeal to you, brothers, 1 Corinthians 1.10, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. Okay, we're building this up. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Wow. That seems like a tall task. What was the context that the apostle Paul was writing to the church of Corinth? We know the church of Philippi. Now he's writing to the church of Corinth. And it seems to be his desire is that they agree with one another specifically when they come together. That's an interesting word, together. When do we come together even if we disagree? I mean, we often don't come together unless we agree, right? So when do we do that when we disagree? And I'm thinking probably the only thing that could get us all together, even when we're at odds, would be food. Food, food does it, right? And, and there are just dynamics when it comes to food, right? I mean, there's just certain things. Oh man, when you try to get people together, does anybody try to do that? I mean, you work all day, moms. You, you work all day, dads. You prepare everything. You get everybody. We're gonna get everybody together. And then somebody comes late. Somebody doesn't come at all. Somebody sits there with an attitude. Shut up, right? Somebody's on their phone the whole time. Man, 
Sometimes it's difficult getting people together and no judgment coming from the stage. I know what it feels like to do this. Hey, hon, you you're gonna hit Wawa, right? All right, I'm gonna go Chick-fil-A. What time is their game over? Their game's done there? Okay, I'll meet you at 12.30. The second game's at three. Let's try to eat on the way there. Okay, I'll bring some. Can we eat in the gym? Yeah, I think so. Let's go. Oh, you go, oh, a typical Saturday for an AAU family. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so there's all sorts of difficulties when it comes to being together, but isn't it great when it actually happens and it goes well? Oh man, I look forward every year to um, our pastors getting together. And our pastors, we get together, our families, and we have a nice dinner. And it's always super, super enjoyable because it's one of those times where, you know, we get to talk about other things than just, you know, what's going on in our lives. And we get to enjoy one another's company. Oh man. That's actually me. I'm I always, man, I'm always like, guys, don't let your phones run. I really, I, I gotta, I'm gonna hold on a second. This is embarrassing. Hello? John, John, now is not the time. I'm preaching. I'm preaching, John. No, yeah, no, we're not getting together now. No, pastors and nurses later. You're not, you're not really here. What are you doing? Hey, whoa, whoa, Gabe, you're involved in this? Oh, what? Oh, no, you did not get Mike. Guys, guys, no, John, dinner is later in the month. What did you? Yeah, there are, but guys, it's Sunday morning. You're together, okay. So I guess we're getting chairs, and uh, we're having a little dinner here. Um, so, John, what have you got here? Now that you've interrupted the sermon. Um, we got some delicious sourdough bread. Okay. We got some rolls. Okay. Gabe, seriously, what, what are you doing, man? Really good. Hey, guys, I'll get the rest of the chairs. Don't worry. My, oh, hey, thanks for saying that, Mike. All right, wait, hey, don't eat, Gabe. My goodness. Just, hey, Mike, is where's John Adams? Is he coming? Did you not ask John to come? Oh, there, John. Laptop, though? Oh, man, stuff to do. John, where are we supposed to sit, John? Where are we supposed to sit? At least... At least John came, whether he brought a laptop or not. Yeah, it's not good timing. I know you. What are you doing? Like, look at this. All right, all right. Well, Mike, come on over. Let's let's do. If we're gonna do this, guys, guys, pick a seat. Oh my word. John, this is gonna be a little bit harder than you think. Did you just eat again? Stop! Stop eating. Just wait. Oh my word. Where's Doug? Where's Doug? You did invite Doug. Oh, my call. word. It says right here, call Doug, invite him to lunch. Uh, John, you didn't call Doug? Probably delivering soup. I may have forgotten that. Yeah. Uh, I'll text him. I'll text him. Is he bringing soup? He, I hope he might bring soup. Come on, guys. Call, you got to call John. Hey, call Chris. Doug. Call, uh, uh, Doug is here. All right. Hey, Doug. Doug. I'm sorry. They, they tried it. Gabe, what? what? Now a candy bar? I need protein. <laughs> He's, all right. All right. Wait, wait for everyone. Doug, can you put the phone down for just a little bit? Hey, wait a second. I'm talking to Julie. Oh, it's Julie. Oh, it's Julie. It's Julie. He's talking to Julie. Hey, John, could maybe we close the laptop and... and... Okay, Apple. Oh. Don't eat it. Oh, my word. We're going to eat together, right, John? Put the laptop away. Put it away when I'm done. Guys. Please. Pastor Doug, maybe put the phone. Kids always have their phones out at dinner all the time. There are needs to be met. You're right. You're right. All right, Gabe, just stop you for John. What's the goal, John? You got us all out here. This is a mess. I just wanted to get us all together to have a nice meal, and Gabe's halfway done, so I don't know. You guys are taking forever. I know. Church. How often? Is this what it feels like? Could you give your pastors a hand for coming out here? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. How often you go out of your way to prepare something? You spend a lot of time, you get everything together, and nothing is going right. And isn't it often the case, usually somebody at some point goes, all right, fine, right? I mean, I wasn't in your car this morning, but who knows? Maybe even you pulled in here and go, we're going to knock it off and go worship Jesus. <laughs> because it's difficult being together. Because all of us bring in different dynamics to the dinner table. Some are too busy. 
and they're going a mile an hour and they're not present. Some have important things to do. There's no doubt. Some can't wait for anybody, even sneak candy bars. Some just want everything to work out. And when it doesn't, it breaks their heart. Guys, that often happens when people are gathering specifically for dinner. I don't know, does your family call it dinner or supper? We're gonna call it supper for this sermon. I wanna put out three different types of suppers I see in a text in Corinthians that Paul was writing to the church. The first one, the selfish supper. Then we're gonna look at the Lord's supper and then we're gonna look at what a same mind supper looks like. So let's look at this selfish supper. Paul writes and says this, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you church in Corinth because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Continues. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you and I believe it in part. I know I'm here in second hand, Paul says, but I believe there are divisions and he's calling them out. And he says this, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you will be recognized. The people who are genuine were gonna stand out from the people that aren't genuine. And when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper that you eat, for in the eating, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. Paul writes, one goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink it? And he says this, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. The apostle Paul, like a frustrated spiritual dad, if you will, is going, what are you doing? That is not the Lord's supper. That is not what you're to be doing. Look how you're behaving. And he characterizes it. I wrote down five characteristics I saw in a selfish supper. It's divided, it's inconsiderate, it's disrespectful, it's partial, and it's harmful. Have any of you ever attended a selfish supper? Where people are being inconsiderate one another? Phrases like, come on, your mom worked hard on this. People are being disrespectful. People are being partial. In the church of Corinth, there were some people who felt they were better than the other people, especially those of poverty, and they wouldn't want to eat with them. It was like a middle school popularity contest cafeteria. And on top of that, Paul says, you know what? You're coming together as a church and you're doing more harm than you're doing good. I had our guys come out and just kind of illustrate how could a dinner amongst friends do more harm than good? Because of selfishness. And that right there is one of the things I wanted to point out as a one another. I'm got back to my calendar here and let's go to box five. What does it say? Devouring one another. What? That doesn't sound like a good thing. We need to devour one another. This is actually a one another that we are to not do. Let's open the box. It says this. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by each other. How many of you have been around the organizational church long enough to watch a church devour itself into non-existence? It devoured itself. And scripture is going, hey, look out, watch out. When you allow a little division, it can grow. When you allow a little disunity, it can grow. And some might say, well, don't we come to the church so the professional pastors fix it for everyone? And God's going, hold up. These are individual job descriptions. The text doesn't say, call the pastor to help him with your one another, although we can. But it's on you. To say, when I come together with my church, am I biting and devouring my own? Any coach knows a team divided against itself has very little chance of victory. 
And it's not far different when it comes to the church. And in speaking of the church of Corinth, they were gathering as a church, but it was a selfish supper. And you know, sometimes only one selfish person at the supper table can ruin it for everyone. So let's look at the second supper. It's the Lord's Supper. Paul says, let me, let me tell you what the illustration is actually supposed to look at. And he says this, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Can we stop there for a second? Let's, let's hop into seminary for a second because there's something here that I don't want you just to miss. It says, for I received from the Lord what I passed to you. What that is, is ancient Jewish rhetoric that he is about to pass on information that is also, that is not just new in form, okay, but has authority behind it. Um, we have rhetoric in our society. Um, we give out a certificate, somebody gets an award. I certify hereby that. And we're like, oh, I understand that rhetoric. That rhetoric is somebody is about to get awarded. Okay, when information was shared in the Jewish culture, some of their rhetoric was, I received, therefore I pass on to you. Okay, I got something and now I'm gonna give it to you. But the rhetoric used to help, help them see that this is actually like, like, almost like a contractual agreement coming to them that Paul is about to dump information onto them that they have not heard before. What's interesting about that is he's about to tell them what happened the night of the Lord's Supper. You say, wouldn't they already know that? It is believed, okay, scholars believe that the letter to Corinth, especially 1 Corinthians, was written prior to the gospels getting out into circulation. And so the church in Corinth is hearing really for the first time what went on that night that we would even get in more information about when the gospels went in. Okay, I just nerded out there for just a second. Let's continue to the passage. So I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. What? We're gonna find out, yeah. He took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, okay, he took bread. Where would that have been? Now, if you understand how the Passover meals went, you know that they were kind of eightfold. Let me break it down for you just a little bit. This is what they would have been doing. The first cup is the cup of blessing. After that, the bitter herbs dipped in sauce to talk about their time in slavery and how they were embittered by that. Then the message on the Passover, how the Lord passed over the houses that had the blood above the doorposts and God led his people following Moses out of slavery in the Exodus. And then they would sing the Hallel. Do you remember what Psalms are the Hallel? It's Psalms 113 and 114 specifically they would sing, but they could sing other things. But the point was harmonizing together. Is there anything more unifying than a group of people harmonizing their voices together? So they'd sing the Hallel and then the second cup, that was with unleavened bread. Kids, leavened bread goes up, okay? Unleavened bread's down. In the Jewish culture, they would even search the house looking for every leaven because leaven was symbolic of sin. And so unleavened meant this is no sin bread, okay? All right, so they would have unleavened bread and that would be and then the meal proper, the eating of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb. And then after the meal of the lamb, the third cup, the prayer of Hillel and the fourth cup. So when you read these passages that maybe you've heard your whole life, especially if you go to church, you'll know that he took it during the second cup and then meal proper. So let's read the text again now. Let's continue after meal proper. Let's see where we're at here. It goes this. Then now you'll read it differently. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper. Okay, so after the lamb, now you're seeing it now. He took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So there's a remembrance that's supposed to occur. I want you to take the cup and take the bread, symbolic of him, symbolic of what he was going to do. And he spoke to them, not just in the flesh, but in the spirit. And John, it tells us about these items, okay? And it says, Jesus spoke in the spirit. And so he's teaching them a spiritual lesson, okay? These things weren't becoming something. They were 
a symbolic spiritual lesson that whenever they eat this bread and drink this cup, what do they do? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what you're doing. Well, that seems pretty important. Yeah. If you had a family member that asked you to remember them, especially at the dinner table, you might have an heirloom and it's sitting around and we go and we do this in remembrance of them. Oh, that's why. Because I never met them. I know, but your grandmother was wonderful and we have this out here in remembrance of her. We understand symbolic items representing somebody to be honored. And so the Lord's Supper, Paul tells us, is illustrative. It's not haphazard. It's symbolic supper. It's a covenant supper. It's a promise that he will return. It's a memorial for what he did on the cross. And it's a proclamation And the more it's done in unity, the better. The more it's done in synchrony, the better. And that's why Paul says, let's make it not a selfish supper, but a same mind supper. That's our third one. The same mind supper. What does it look like? Well, the text says this. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Okay, so I'm guilty concerning the body of Christ and and the Lord. If, If I'm drinking in an unworthy, well, I'm unworthy. We're all unworthy. We're only worthy because of what Jesus has done. But I want you to remember the context that he's speaking to the Corinthian church. Oftentimes we'll think things like, if I come to communion and I've got sin that I haven't repented or haven't dealt with, I need to deal with it right there. And yes, amen, you should. I should pass the plate if I'm not willing to deal with it. I would say, what on earth? Deal with it. Because who would want the discipline of the Lord? He's a loving father who loves his children. And so there's an opportunity and a reminder to deal with it, to not drink in an unworthy manner or to not eat in an unworthy manner. But remember the context. The context was not doing it together, being partial, sitting there harboring ill will. Children of God, when we gather at Renew Bible, whether we're online here, whatever it is, when we're gathering and we know we're unwilling to forgive someone, community should come around with a, hey, come on. Let's go. That's an unworthy manner. Come on. Let's not act like the church in Corinth. We need to do this with the same mind. So let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And then Paul alludes to something as mystical as he ever gets. And Paul gets that way, okay? But as mystical as he ever gets, he goes, that is why many of you are weak and ill. And some have even died. But we have judged ourselves truly. We would not be judged. But when you were judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we might not be condemned along with the world. Paul's saying, in the case of Corinth, and I don't think we should take it far beyond that, because I'm not saying any illness is because of sin. I mean, I I would imagine, I mean, the poor choices we make, there are consequences. Have you ever heard the phrase, the body keeps the score? The body will keep the score if we live in a life of anxiety, right? Your body will pay, right? If we're living a life of stress, we will have circumstances and consequences to that. If you have unforgiveness and you're allowing bitterness to grow inside of you, there are consequences to that. And there are even sometimes physical ramifications. But Paul's saying in the church of Corinth, the way they're behaving together is literally causing struggle. Wow, So what do they do? What do they do? He says this, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, we got another one another and it's right in our text. So let's go to the big board. I think it's number six. Open it up, please. Wait for one another. What? Let's look at the package. Open the package. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. It seems one of the things that Paul was most frustrated about of all their grievances was the fact that they were blowing off each other and not doing it together. Just doing whatever they wanted to do. So he said, wait for one another. And he gets a little funny. He says, if anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. (laughs) So that when you come together to eat, it won't be for judgment. About the other things, I'll give you instructions when I come. But here's the characteristics of a same mind Supper. 
It's unifying. It's not division. It's symbolizing. You're doing something amazing. You're obeying Jesus Christ together and symbolizing his broken body and his blood shed for us. It's discerning. It's not to be making lightly. Oh yeah, I think our church does that like the first of the month. One of the reasons we do that is just so we remember, but you could do it more than just that. There's amazing logistics when it comes to a church our size. But communion is something that can be done more than that, especially when a group of believers come together. It's not something I would definitely force onto a situation where there were a lot of unbelievers because you're putting them in a difficult spot. But if you've got a body of believers gathering together for communion, oh, oh, what a joy. And it's something we do and practice regularly, specifically on the first Sunday of the month. There's times we change it for Good Friday services and, and if it works better to do it a following week because of the sermon we're in. But it's to be done regularly and discerning It's because it's proclaiming and it's observing. It's one of the ordinances of the church. One of the things that we're called to do until we see the day officially draw near. That and baptism things that we're called to continue to do. And so I look at these three suppers, selfish supper, Lord's supper, and same supper. And I'm like, what's up with Jesus and food? I mean, Jesus is all about food. If you love food, you're like your savior, amen? You should get a shirt. Jesus like food, I like food. Let's look at some of the verses. Jesus said to his disciples, come and dine. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house to eat. His enemy said of him, he's a glutton. There's a pillow you could get verse for Christmas, right? He's a glutton. No, no, no. His critics scoffed. He eats with sinners. What's up with Jesus and food? What's up with food in the Bible? Have you ever thought, do you ever get like a little philosophical or a little deep think, any deep thinkers in the room? Some of you are like, oh, they're so weird. And some of you, and, and then some are like, yeah, it's so weird that you don't think about anything. Okay, so, so like we're all a little bit different, but do you ever go, you know what, you know what? How often would we get together if it weren't for food? I mean, food really does bring us together. And nobody understood that more than Jesus. And there's nothing that pleases him more than when his kids get together and have a same mind supper. Hey, hey, you know what? I know we're talking about communion. But how much does this make you want to think about maybe even family dinners? Maybe even a dinner you have as a couple maybe a dinner you have with your friends. Because I think a lot of us are kind of used to the selfish suppers. Young people, maybe this holiday season, you think, you know what? Mom or dad spent a lot of time in that kitchen getting this thing ready. The least I could do is sit up. Maybe mom, instead of forcing everyone to like it, Work with them a little bit. Maybe dad, maybe teenager, maybe young person, realize that one of the greatest ways you could honor Jesus this holiday season is having a together meal. And lay some preferences aside because there's no way you're gonna do something that everyone's gonna like. I've heard someone say, Picking out worship songs in a church is like feeding a thousand people the same meal and expecting them all to like it. It's impossible. So be encouraged with what is happening and what we do have because we're together. And how many churches aren't able to see God's great hand of blessing because they've chosen to devour and to criticize and to beat up on the one another? when we're called to do the exact opposite. So church, if you have your communion with you, I think it's time we take a same mind supper. So pastors, could you come on back out?
Come on back out, guys. Let's get the guys back out here. Let's do this as a church. We want it to be unifying, symbolizing, discerning, proclaiming, and observing. And so we want to do this as synchronized as we possibly can. There's something so beautiful about listening to four-part harmony. Everybody's playing a role to make it sound beautiful. That's something neat we can bring to communion. Awesome. Perfect, guys. Thank you. Great. Great. Yeah, hop in there. Hop in there. Awesome. So, uh, Pastor Doug, you got to play the role here a little bit. By the way, great acting. That was wonderful. Um, you got to play the role a little bit of someone busy doing good. Busy doing good. And there are good things to be doing. But um, you were running late. You were asked late, overlooked, just kind of going through some of those dynamics. People go through that in their lives. What, what kind of stood out to you as you were kind of just playing that role? In all of our lives, we... We get too busy doing good things. And sometimes even being here on, on a Sunday morning, we can get our minds distracted by what we have to do next and where we need to be. And to sit down at the Lord's table with our brothers and sisters in Christ as a church family and to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. That's about as good as it gets when it comes to being together as a family. And, and we need to come with, with that attitude, sometimes setting aside things that can wait till later, even what we think is real important, even what we think is keeping us busy. We just have to set it aside and wait till later because this gathering together is about as good as it gets. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right, Gabe, you got to play the role of eating. It wasn't hard no, to play that role. No, it wasn't hard. Yeah. Some um, Gabe, the guy going ahead, not thinking about anybody else, not care, just wants to get fed. We all understand that, okay? Especially second service crowd understands that more than the first. But explain a little bit, acting that out, just some of those dynamics there. I think, uh, first off, anyone has children in the house, uh, this may be a typical uh, meal at your house. But you know, there's a temptation for all of us to, to consume and to not wait and to, to be thinking about our own priorities, putting ourselves before other people. One of the things I love about Renew Bible Church is it's part of our culture of putting other people's preferences before our own and other people's needs before our own. We see that throughout the care ministry of this church, and uh, so many of us have been uh, blessed by other people and also blessed when we put our own preferences aside for others. So um, just a, a great reminder as uh, we have opportunities to gather around the table and around our family this, this Christmas season to put other people first. And um, that is something I love about this church is that our, our, our church does that for others. Awesome. John, you were the guy who wanted everybody to be together. And it wasn't going that well. In fact, you wanted to force being together so much you were willing to interrupt me and other things. We wanted to be together. You played that character. Um, talk a little bit about that because the heart is good. The heart is good, but what are some of the dynamics that just want everybody to be together? Um, you know, I did a lot of planning here in preparation <laughs> and went to all He actually did put the table yeah, together, so to, thank you, John. He did these, a great yeah. job. Um, thinking about togetherness, there's nothing better than that when, when a group is together. There's nothing worse when there's division. And um, whether it's in a family or on a team but I think the worst is in a church with brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we have the same spirit. There's one Lord within us. And yeah, we're gonna disagree on stuff, but we need to, we need to stick together, pray together and worship together. John, you talked about one of the heartbeats of our Lord is that his kids are together. Sure, that verse, that means a lot to you, that there's nothing that brings him more joy. First John 3 talks about, um, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking together in unity. 
And uh, it's just such a blessing when you see that. And we see that everywhere at Renew. We are blessed. Mike, the guy, our, our facilitator, guru, the guy who gets everything set up, brings everything out, gets everything together. John didn't even let you sit down at the table there. I mean, he's still upset, I can tell. You played the character of trying to get everything together for other people. Um, the hard worker, the, the moving things, the prepping. Talk a little bit about the dynamics of that when someone gets together. Yeah, so around here, if I'm honest, I'm often... During an event, I'm thinking, oh, I gotta put this all away. <laughs> and, uh, or I gotta set the next thing up. But you know what? I've learned a lot working here for quite a while now. And I have so many people who come alongside and help. And to this point now, I just put that there, put that there, put that there. I just stand around and, and direct. But I often forget to pause during the event and take time to enjoy the event. And I think of this scenario, I think of my own home growing up, my own family now, moms especially, but dads as well. There's so much put into the setup of these things. Everything's got to be right. The house got to be clean. Everything's got to be perfect. And then someone comes in and goes, I don't like that food. <laughs> so for both sides, the person who set everything up, take time to enjoy who's around the table. But for those of us who are coming to the table and didn't do a whole lot for that, let's appreciate the person who did that. And uh, there's a lot for, for both sides to really be appreciated when you're together. John, you brought your laptop, you're busy, you got a lot going on. There's no doubt that that is part of our society. But talk about that character you played, throwing your laptop on the table, all these different things. Um, I actually have to go right now. I got my okay, stuff. you got to go. Um, talk about that, John. Everybody understands that. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the character that I was playing, there's responsibilities that that person has on their mind. Some, some of us are wired that way where it's like, I, I can't really relax until I get done what I have to get done. And, uh, and sometimes we let those even good responsibilities take the place of something that we're called to do that's more important in the moment. One of my mentors told me in seminary when I was telling him something I believed God wanted me to do, uh, challenged me. He said, you know, God can call a thousand people to do that thing that you think God may be calling you to do, but he can't give your wife another husband. He can't give your kids another dad. And sometimes we have to think about those primary calls in our life that sometimes that busyness can take over on so and our primary purpose today as a church is to gather together and to take communion together and i think the more synchronized we can do it the more we honor the characteristics of a same mind supper and so guys if you have the elements in front of you i'm going to read the text and i'm going to say let's partake so we can do this as synchronized as we actually can all right for i receive from the lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. Man, guys, he chose suffering for us chose to be beaten, bashed, mocked, the king of the universe by hands he created. Imagine creating something, putting all your heart, effort, energy and who you are to have it turn on you so viciously to abuse you. And he did that for Doug, Gabe, John, Mike. He did it for me. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you come to communion with such an awe of what he's done. It's a joy to proclaim him. Do you know right now we have our heavenly father, his son and the spirits undivided attention because this is a church gathered together when two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there with them. And he is honored by us taking communion together. I know these come along every month or so. Young people, you might think it's just something my church does. But I hope today you walk out realizing the Lord's Supper is not just any meal. It's unifying. 
It's symbolizing, it's discerning, it's proclaiming, and it's observing. And that's why as a church, when we walk in here on communion Sundays, and we know we've got a problem with somebody, and we know we're harboring something, may we deal with it. May we get it right as far as it depends on us because we can't control anybody else. But may we take the communion time seriously knowing it's not just random activity. Jesus said, in the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake. Now, John, there's nothing more cool at the suppers of the past than the singing of the Hillel. I'm not gonna assume any of us know the Hillel or we'll be singing that, but many of us know the doxology. And I don't know if they can do any better than the first service because that blew my mind. But I'm asking you to pray, John, and we're going to all stand and sing together as a church before our Lord the doxology. So would you bless that time and this time in dinner? Father, we come to you once again today just with our minds full of thankfulness and joy for what we have in Christ. We know this is a season that gets filled up with a lot of activity, a lot of great activity, a lot of fun memories are made this season for a lot of folks. Uh, but if we're not careful, we can let this time slip by without recentering our minds on what this season is all about. That's the coming of Jesus Christ. Lord, we of course remember this morning also the death of Christ, his sacrifice for us. You tell us to do this in remembrance of you because we're prone to forget it. So, Lord, hear us this morning with a unified voice as we sing to you, to your glory, to your honor, to your praise, with thankfulness in our hearts for Jesus Christ, the one who mediates for us, the one who advocates for us, our brother, in the words of Hebrews. And uh, we thank you for this time we can share as a church family. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.